Flypaniacs and welcome back to Flyperbole. I am Steve Jacot here to talk to you about the National Horny League. That's right, the NHL, the National Horny League. I don't know what the fuck was going on last night in the NHL, but thankfully I've got the great Eamon Smith here to discuss this with me, and we're coming off quite a monumental night in the league, Eamon. Truly a night for history, one for the ages that we will never forget, uh, they should put this photo in the Hockey Hall of Fame, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, my God. It, it, Kodak Black just going out there and King. doing his thing <laughs> at the Florida Panthers game. Just unbelievable. Yeah, he's he's uh just having he found something else to pay attention to other than the hockey game because the Panthers were blowing the Canucks out. So he got a little bored and, uh, you know, he, he do be fucking. So he, he was... <laughs> He was he was getting a little getting a little something in the suite. Uh what what geeked me out though was like it's it's one thing. It's already kind of outrageous and wild if you're if you're Kodak Black and you're having sex with a woman in the back of the suite or whatever. Like if you've ever if you've ever been in one of those boxes before, it extends back a little ways. There's usually bathroom in like the back corner. Oh yeah, nice private I mean, bathroom. Just what, what it's still it's still crazy out of pocket if you're like over by like the buffet in the background or in the restroom and you're doing this. But he's like leaning over the partition between the box and the second level seats with this woman and. Everyone, you can just see on the luxury boxes on either side, is just like leaning over and looking at him. They're just so confused oh the, as to what's going on. The ownership box right next to it. We can see Roberto Luongo sitting right there. Hilarious. And also just the people in front of the box who are sitting there dancing along with the stadium music. Just kind of bopping along. not Just completely unaware that <laughs> Black is right above them getting it on. And my God, one of the funniest things i've seen happen in a hockey game in a long while kodak's uh lady friend must be a flyers fan because she you know pretty accustomed it seemed to getting scored on back doors oh, so, uh, oh oh hey oh hey oh <laughs> just, just a little a little uh word play for you there a little uh-huh. word play. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god there's that there was somebody had taken a picture of I, I don't even know what hockey game it was at, but some guy who was like hardcore sexting somebody. Oh yeah, the, it was a, it was a, a Sabres fan. Sabres, oh, well, <laughs> I can't sense. blame that him. Checks out. Yeah, I can't blame him. He's looking for uh, hot girls, hot single girls in his area. This this is a sex positive podcast, by the way. Oh yeah. So more power, some. more power to him. You get some, get it. Come on. And if you're at the Sabres game or the Panthers game, well, it's funny because the Panthers are actually good, but the Sabres are the Sabres. I can understand not wanting to pay attention to them at any time. Yeah, for sure. Like if if somebody is sending you some pictures during the game, are you going to watch the Sabres play shitty hockey and lose like 
four to two or are you going to pay attention to that my odds are on you paying attention to that rather than the game i know that it'd be a little bit difficult for me to focus on the game in those circumstances although it, it really did seem like from those pictures you know the the like junk mail ads where it's like hot singles available in your area that it had very much those vibes to it i don't know <laughs> no, I, I see. I hear that. I hear that. It's just what a night. What a night it was. And I thought that was going to be all the the sex stuff we'd be discussing on the show. But then the it's not hockey based, but just a few hours ago, the Portland Pickles, which is a collegiate wood bat minor league baseball team in Portland, Oregon, released a photo on Twitter that was what did the tweet say i'm gonna pull up the tweet real quick uh the tweet had said just waiting for twitter to load which is always a fun time new phone who dis and essentially it's what looks like a picture of the the mascot uniform sitting there with a big green pickle dick up (laughs) In the middle of the picture, I see Manscaped <laughs> is tagged in there, and uh, it's Manscaped and nine others. Let's see, there's Manscaped, Steakum, Skittles, Bush's Beans, Daniel Popper, who is the Chargers beat writer for The Athletic, Senator Scott Weiner, Oscar Meyer, Corn Nuts, Justin Dickmeyer, and Eric Stangle. This is... This is like a masterclass in viral marketing and then portraying it like it was an accident because there is no way in hell they did this by accident. No. I don't believe it. No. no. This is on this was on purpose. And then they're just trying to pass it off as, oh no, we accidentally sent like something that looked like our pickle mascot sent a dick pic to the entire internet. Hundred percent intentional. This is the like, only way to one up gritty at this point, is pickle dicks they've successfully done it the portland pickles strong twitter brand by the way i know a couple of people who like they've sent them sticker packages and stuff like that just for making funny tweets about them so well and i actually have history with the portland pickles in a, a way yeah i because, see that here yes i i saw this and i immediately went well i have a picture with dylan t pickle the portland pickles mascot because i went out to portland a few years ago i think it was 2017 and we just stumbled onto the pickles. We were just driving around Emily and I, and we had the the local radio on and we heard an ad for the Portland pickles. It was advertising twin peaks night at the Portland pickles. And we didn't have anything to do in particular. So we're like, why the hell not? Let's go. I think it was like $5 tickets or some shit. Like it was incredibly cheap. And we got free twin peaks sheriff department beanies they gave out cherry pie during the seventh inning stretch, and they had a costume contest. So what more could you possibly want? Yeah, they understand how to grow the game, whether that be by uh, doing cool promotional nights or sending dick pics to the internet. Very very good way to grow the game, uh, sex-related sports stuff, as, as Kodak Black <laughs> has proven within the past few days, because I don't think I've seen hockey twitter unite over something so rapidly since mm, probably tony d'angelo getting waved uh that was pretty fun oh that was great and then also the leafs blowing a 3-1 lead in the first round that that was pretty good too but other than that i mean hockey twitter a lot of infighting a lot of people bitching about stuff 
and complaining about you know the minutia flyers twitter in particular pretty miserable but last night just just a night of joy and wonder as people experience the magic of kodak black again fucking in a suite <laughs> good for him man <laughs> he's 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 enjoying hockey in more ways than one yeah, uh somebody's also, gotta enjoy hockey because nobody around here is <laughs> shit no uh notable mascot thing too uh on the on the subject of pickle adjacent mascots have you ever seen delta state's mascot the fighting okra i have not seen the fighting okra i guess i'm gonna have to pull that up please look him up because he is wonderful just just go ahead and and take a gander at that man he's fantastic fighting okra let's see what we got oh that is a grumpy piece of okra right there yeah he's pissed he wants to fight you. He he definitely looks like he'd fit in in South Philly. Oh, yeah. I have right? neighbors that look like the fighting okra. <laughs> He's got those He's... Christopher Moltisante eyebrows, which is very common around my neighborhood in South Philly. Just who whoever picked that is a genius. I love it. Uh, but but yeah, I'd say they they need to do something ochre dick related to that'd be great oh just to God. promote themselves this is the grumpiest mascot i've ever seen I, he's just furious that top chef's tom colicchio does not like okra he's furious about it and he's gonna it's a bullshit take out of tom it's colicchio. a terrible take it's a terrible take fried okra is fantastic when it's done correctly it's just rarely executed well welcome to food purpley Hell yeah, I'm in. I'd rather talk about that than the Flyers, because I, I am already exhausted about all our Flyers talk tonight. But I, I'm in for, you know, this sex talk and for the Portland Pickles and the Fighting Okra. And you've got something here about Pittsburgh toilets that I'd love to get into right now. What is that? This is the first time Pittsburgh toilets and love to get into have ever been uttered within the same sentence. You know, you one might say that Pittsburgh is a toilet. Oh, hey dunked on uh yeah so i was listening to another podcast the other day by the name of the shutdown full cast um and they were talking about at the beginning of that episode pittsburgh toilets which i didn't know this was a thing apparently it is common in pittsburgh for there to just be a standalone toilet in a basement with nothing around it like no walls, no privacy curtain or anything. And sometimes there will be like a wash tub and then a crudely rigged up shower next to it. But they just stand by themselves in the basement. There's a whole article you can go read about this. I think it's called like the Pittsburgh potty or something like that. But it's a dude from Pittsburgh talking about how like the experiences of taking a dump in just the middle of an empty basement room and his grandmother's house like changed him <laughs> culturally and everything but uh, this apparently is, this the... is like a, a thing where people will do this to say like well i've got two bathrooms in the house it's like do you really because we no we, no it <laughs> is it is to do that because the whole basement is just a giant bathroom I know, by that you extension do that to say you have a half bathroom or a bathroom because south philly uh, not every house but a lot of houses in south philly have these just like half bathrooms that are a toilet and they're usually raised on some sort of strange pedestal and yeah <laughs> i i podcast probably i don't know five feet away from such a bathroom where my toilet is on a probably foot high pedestal that it doesn't have proper spots for your feet so if you 
need to do number two up there. You got to like put your feet to the side on this strange pedestal. And it's, it's really just unusual. So I kind of get it's it. It's the final boss toilet. It's, it's, it's up on a pedestal it is. in the middle of a room by itself. Show me what you <laughs> got. You... Like I, I will say this much. All of my friends that are taller than like six, two love to use this toilet for number one. They love to take a piss in this toilet because I guess it's just the right height for them or something. So I, it's just funny. They <laughs> they insist on using the downstairs toilet. I'm like, I've got like 10 boxes in the way of that. Like, are you sure you want to navigate that? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that one. Like, okay, go nuts. But <laughs> I, I like that one. <laughs> there's a door. At least there is a door and a sink and it's not in the middle of the basement. Uh, Not, you know, there- I want you I want you to look up a Pittsburgh, a Pittsburgh toilet and look at some of these pictures because it's it's legit just like in the middle of a room with nothing around it and i cannot imagine just taking a dump in the middle of an empty basement there's another one i can't remember where i saw the picture but it's it's like within reaching distance of an air hockey table so you could play while you're taking a dump it's actually where Sidney crosby lived when he was coming up in the league, you lived in a... Yeah, with, with Lemieux. With Lemieux's <laughs> shitter, yeah. He slept right next to the toilet. It's the name That's of the 30 for 30 bad. on it, is Lemieux's shitter. <laughs> his his office chair. Yeah, yeah oh my Sydney's gosh. office chair. Though I don't think call the Pittsburgh potty Sydney's office chair. <laughs> good night and good hockey. Apparently the purpose of this is to make it so that the sewer backup like let's say you had like a sewer line issue or something that it wouldn't go up into the main house and that it would just go into the basement um that having like a lower anchor point would help that out or whatever but i just don't understand like why why was it just people built that shit and then they didn't put walls around it so it's just a toilet by itself <laughs> it's it's wild that you know i looked it up it is very depressing I would love to see this in just more basements. This is an album cover, it is, right? It is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like a, like a 19, like an early seventies, like, like rock cover right there. Yeah. Like stained. Use this. Oh, we're going, Oh, we're going with stained. Okay. 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 I, I think, I think they're a little bit of a different vibe, but they have, they oh, have but... uh, the illusion of progress. I'm looking at right now oh, where it's a guy sitting in a chair in the middle of a road. Just have it be a guy sitting on a toilet in the middle of a basement. Where do you think mud shovel came from? <laughs> Just that's, that's the origin. That's, they were sitting on a Pittsburgh toilet one day. That's it. That's it. You know, it's, it's been a while. Oh God. Oh God. What a raunchy start to this show. Raunchy start. And then it's just all gotta, it's all downhill from here, folks. And I don't mean that in a good way. It's all downhill from here. And that's because... Heading towards the Pittsburgh toilet, not away from it. You know, the Pittsburgh toilet is going to play a big part in this next segment here, which is what I call Bob Clark airs his grievances. He's got a lot of problems with you people, and he went on the Cabot Strict podcast to air his grievances. Bob Clark, a legend as a player, less so as an executive in the city, but he's certainly been an executive, a, a corporate entity in the city for, for quite a bit. But uh, Bob Clark decided to go on the Cam and Strick podcast. And when they weren't talking about gun rights, they decided to talk about uh, Ron Hextall and all that fun stuff. And, oh, 
good lord. I guess I'll just read this piece from... Uh, this is an excerpt from Tom's piece on BSH on this appearance. The Philadelphia Flyers legend appeared on the Cam and Strick podcast hosted by St. Louis Blues reporter Andy Strickland and longtime NHLer Cam Jansen and proceeded to delve into details on Ron Hextall's time as the GM of the Flyers. <laughs> Hextall alienated everybody right away, Clark said. He shut his door. He locked the doors. He was the boss and nobody else was part of it. I'm big. You're little. That wasn't part of it. That's from Matilda. We end up getting the second pick in the draft <laughs> and we end up drafting Nolan Patrick. None of our scouts wanted Nolan Patrick. I don't know where Patrick should have gone after his performances in Brandon. He's a pretty good player, but certainly they wanted McCarr. Of course he went next. Now he's a superstar and Patrick hasn't played, but Hextall made that choice himself. And there were other choices that were made at our drafts that we're paying for. We have two or three first round picks that are never going to play. And that's why we're struggling. Hextall made some huge mistakes. After Clark was focusing on the prospects taken by the Flyers, the host of the podcast chimed in about trading Braden Shen to the St. Louis Blues, and Clark has his chance to reflect on it as well. That was just as bad, he said. Nobody knew it. Hextall made that on his own. All our scouts who were at the draft, our scouts were so mad at Hextall for doing that. We also had the chance to get Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo, but we didn't. Obviously, that was the manager's decision, but it was another one that the scouts weren't consulted on. So, woof. Many thoughts right here. So, let's start with, I think, what ended up being the big headline for most people Kale McCarr, Nolan Patrick. I love how Bob Clark is coming out and feigning ignorance at where Nolan Patrick was supposed to go in this draft because I remember this draft vividly. And most of the talk was he, Shearer, or Patrick for the top two slots. And the Flyers would get whoever the Devils didn't pick of the two of them. And that was what most people said. I remember McCarr was thrown in there as a possibility, but most of the talk was around he, Shearer, or Patrick. And yeah, we obviously know in hindsight, in retrospect, of course we all want fucking Kale McCarr. He scored just... A, a, you, you want to talk about sex in the National Hockey League? He scored one of the sexiest goals of the season last night. This McCarr goal was just unbelievable. He's so unbelievably talented. But Nolan Patrick was a huge prospect. A huge prospect. People were excited about getting Nolan Patrick. And yeah, he had some injury problems, but he was a talented guy who was looked at as a top prospect. And I, I don't know why all of a sudden he's just like, yeah, in retrospect, his career has worked out terribly. It has not worked out. I even think Nolan Patrick would tell, he'd probably be the first person to tell you his career is not where it should be. And just this, this hindsight shit. And, you know, Steph made a great point where, you know, Bob Clark is corporate, I believe is what she said. He's been an NHL executive for decades. The man knows what he's doing making this appearance. The audience he's uh, appealing to on this podcast. Like, this is a very purposeful move right here. So, okay. So, that's Makar. And then I have very quick points, and then I will let Eamon talk for 25 minutes on this. But <laughs> that's because I, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, Ryan O'Reilly. Annoying as shit. Yeah. I wish we had Ryan O'Reilly. He would have been a fucking amazing flyer. It That sucks. Kelly pointed out that's way more annoying. Agree completely with Hinkle on that front. And then finally, Braden Chen. With all apologies to Steph on this one, I don't give a shit about Braden Chen. I make that trade every time. You get two first rounders for Braden Chen, who 
if you were looking to shake up the core of the team, which I remember at that time was a big issue, Braden Shen was the clear guy to trade at that bunch. So it's not really the end of the world that they traded Braden Shen and got Farabee and Frost. I mean, it sucks that Frost isn't quite up to where we would have hoped he would have been at this point, but it's not like... I don't know. It's just, there's so much revisionist history here and it's all massively annoying to me. Eamon, your thoughts. Okay, here we go. I get to let her rip here. So first things first, Bob Clark very clearly outed himself to anybody who's kind of in the know about the way that this thing went down as using this as kind of a throw-run hex stall under the bus, try to protect some of the scouts on the team kind of thing right now and direct some attention away from what's really happening. Uh, and that he picked out, oh, we want to kill McCarr. From everything that I have heard, the room was split. Now, there have been two different accounts that I've heard on this. One was it was McCarr versus Pedersen. And the other one was, it was McCarr versus Haskinen. I'm going to choose to believe the McCarr versus Haskinen one because it came from a more credible person uh, that I've spoken to. It's a, a beat, um, but I'm not going to name who. Well, and um, uh, just to chime in here, uh, Haskinen is also mentioned in Elliot Friedman's 32 Thoughts. Yeah. Matter, where uh, thought number 11 asked about Clark's comments. One scout laughed. It was Haskinen, not McCarr. Close enough. Yeah, exactly. Like, Clark goes out and he points out Makar because he wants fans to be extra pissed off about this because Kale McCarr... Mira Haskin is an excellent player. Elias Pettersson, he's having kind of a little bit of a mixed bag year. Um, this is the second season in a row that he's sort of had one like that, but very good player. I think everybody can agree on at the very least. And he still has the ability to be a superstar. Like everybody thought he could be. Yeah. Super Kill talented. McCarr. And Pedersen was the first guy to really make people kind of like regret the Nolan Patrick pick, because I remember he had a very explosive, at least first few weeks of his rookie season. And people were like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And he was lighting it up in in the Swedish leagues and everything. And everyone was like, ah, oh, damn, we missed out on this guy. But the, the McCarr thing, like, Kale McCarr might be the best defenseman in the world right now. It's it's between him, Victor Hedman, and Roman Yossi, pretty much. It's those three. Uh, it's wild that Clark would walk out there knowing full well that McCarr was not the far and away choice in that room and that it was pretty split. And again, from the accounts that I have heard, Haskinen seemed to be the lean, uh, and then he goes and he puts Hextall on blast with this anyway. This is not me defending Ron Hextall because as I'm about to get to, he's a fucking idiot in a lot of ways. And he screwed this team in a lot of ways just by being stubborn. Um, but I don't I don't think that Clark or the fans should really be ripping him to pieces for this one. Because as you said, Nolan Patrick was a good prospect coming out. He was... I don't, I don't want to say he was far and away better than the other guys. McCarr was looked at as a bit of a risk because he played lower-level competition while he was lighting it up. Nobody knew for sure whether or not it was going to translate as well as it has to the higher levels. And for all we know, the Flyers could have screwed up his development somewhere along the way. They could have taken him a little too fast or a little too slow. Uh, the Avalanche are very seasoned in 
developing players and doing a good job with them. I The Flyers now have kind of a bad track record with that. So it's a bit ridiculous to point at that and go, we should have Kale McCarr instead of Nolan Patrick. Now, what you can say is Ron Hextall had a troubling pattern of not consulting with the rest of the front office, which seems to be in line with what we've heard. Uh, even when he was fired, that was kind of one of the things that came out was the reason that he was fired internally before Dave Hackstall was even fired is because he just did not get along with a lot of more established people because he didn't tell people things and he wouldn't involve people in things. Um, the, the stuff that Clark kind of says on here that I do believe is that I don't think that he really told anybody about trading Shen. I could totally believe that and I could totally believe the scouts would be pissed because he just completely flipped around their entire draft strategy and the way that the team needed to be building. Um, I can definitely believe that there was serious conflict in the room over drafting Nolan Patrick, and he just went with him because he felt good about his pedigree as a prospect, but also because he had connections in Brandon that he felt like could vouch for this kid and make sure that he was getting some known commodity. Um he, he put a little too much stock in that, I feel like. And then the other thing is uh, I totally believe that they had the opportunity to go get Ryan O'Reilly and he didn't want to part with any of the prospects, regardless of their quality or caliber. Uh, I mean, you see the deal that the Blues made. They didn't give up Jordan Cairo. They didn't give up Robert Thomas. They didn't give up any of their high-end guys. They didn't even give up Vince Dunn. They gave up Tage Thompson, who's developed into a fine NHL player. He's not good. He's not bad. He's just whatever. And uh, one other dude whose name I cannot for the life of me remember. And that's that's it. That's all they gave up. Yeah, it, That was, was really of any value. It was such an incredible deal for the Blues. It really doesn't make any yeah, sense in hindsight. They, but, you know, it's one of those things, like, that's the one to be annoyed about. As, as Kelly pointed out, and I agree with, like, that's the one to be annoyed about because Ryan O'Reilly would have made this team, like, such a rock-solid top six. Like, Couturier and O'Reilly. That changes everything. Yeah. That changes everything if you make that trade. Because You never okay. have to sign Kevin Hayes. You can move Let, Yeah, you don't to have to do that earlier. There's there's so much that changes if you have Ryan O'Reilly on this team. First off, the maybe the... So, let's say they really get their arms twisted to beat that St. Louis deal, which I don't think they would have been. But we'll, we'll go with, like, they trade Travis Konechny and... Oscar Limblom. Or like Robert Haig. Yeah. Body bag sure. Haig. R.I.P. Sure. So that's that's your trade packages. It's those two guys and let's say like a late round pick or a mid round pick. You have Ryan O'Reilly, who over the past four years since he's been traded, three, four years, whatever, has been arguably one of the five most impactful centers in terms of underlying numbers and two-way play. Paired with Sean Couturier, who's another guy who's in that conversation. So now you have that as a one-two center punch. You can afford to shelter Nolan Patrick as the 3C and take your time with him. Obviously, the migraine condition probably still comes up and everything, but you have the opportunity to kind of survive through that period, even without Nolan Patrick. And then maybe most importantly, that 2019-2020 team that was already pretty good is now significantly better because I love Kevin Hayes and it's sad to see the way he is right now and everything. Are you kidding me, man? Is that the, 
the infamous, the infamous fire alarm. Oh no! Hey everybody, so that was indeed my fire alarm in my building, which that's the second time now it's gone off during an episode of Fly Purbly. Sorry about that, but not much I can do. Uh, anyways, here's the rest of the show. One day later, and yeah, uh, we're back, and <laughs> we had yet again Eamon's building's fire alarm had decided to thwart our podcasting. It just hates the sound of my voice. It registered that as a fire, and that's what happened. That's, uh, you know, shit happens. That's the way of life right there. But now I get to do this fully caffeinated and a little earlier in the day, and uh, let's do it to it. Eamon, we were talking about Bob Clark, and I think I got all my thoughts and feelings out very rapid fire, and you were just about to get into it, get into the nitty gritty about our good friend Clarky and his comments on the Cam and Strick podcast the other day. Well, the reason the fire alarm went off is because our takes were too hot. Um, we oh, were, there it is. <laughs> we, we, we were dropping too much heat on here. Booyah, and, uh, booyah, booyah. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was my dumbass neighbors downstairs who accidentally pulled the fire alarm uh, while they were having a party. So, you know, it, it happens. It's it's college and you're living in an apartment complex, so I can't be too shocked. But, uh, dear listeners, the fire alarm went off another two times in that day uh, for a grand total of four so, uh, That's including, too many. <laughs> including one time at four o'clock in the morning. Yikes. Um, so I, I'm reasonably well rested, but did not have uninterrupted sleep last night. Uh, but yeah, we were, we were talking a little bit about Ryan O'Reilly and how that would impact the way that that Flyers team would have looked, especially in 2019. Um, again, you don't have that Kevin Hayes contract on the books, Ryan O'Reilly, you could have some miracle, of bad flyers luck happen where he gets injured or something like that. He could have the same exact scenario that we're dealing with, with Kevin Hayes right now. But as much as I like Kevin Hayes, Ryan O'Reilly at his core is always just going to be a better player than him. Um, Barring Kevin Hayes, just miraculously figuring out how to be a, you know, 70 something point elite number one center, which at his age, I don't see happening. So that, that changes the complexion of this team considerably because Something that's plagued the Flyers for a long time is a lack of that one-two punch down the middle. If you have Ryan O'Reilly, then you have that cemented. You've got Giroux and Voracek along the wings. You have, uh, a, in our theory, we traded uh, Travis Konechny away, but you, you could put still somebody up on the wings like a Scott, uh, <laughs> Jesus, a Scott Lawton or a JVR or whoever you want. Um Scott Lawton's better on the wing. It's it is known that he's better on the wing. Yeah, that would have just made the top six so rock solid defensively because just having Couturier and Ryan O'Reilly, whatever order you want to put them in, because either one can be your top setter, is just a a great luxury to have. It would have been great. And, you know that's easily the most annoying part of the entire situation to me. All these these comments that Bob Clark strategically put out there the other day. For sure, and we knew that the Flyers had the opportunity to get a look at Ryan O'Reilly because everybody in the league did, and they had one of the deeper prospect pools and considered to be one of the better prospect pools in the league at that point. So really a missed opportunity. That's another one of those where there are a lot of things you can fault Ron Hextall for, but I would say the the two things that really bother me were his 
total unwillingness to waver from his plan at all or to be able to adjust on the fly. Um, If he drafted somebody and then when you draft a player, you need to make a realistic evaluation continuously of how good they are. Um, And I think he maybe didn't really budge on his initial thoughts on some of these guys, even as their value dropped considerably um, and then didn't take advantage of the ability to just kind of ship them out and get something better back for them. And then the other thing is uh, just poor talent evaluation in terms of Ryan O'Reilly, excellent player, number one center. He looked at him and didn't think he was worth giving up a couple prospects and a pick, uh, which is, again, just poor fundamental evaluation of the talent of your players and the talent of the player that you'd be getting back there. So that's really annoying. And I think that trade or potential trade is maybe the perfect encapsulation of everything that went wrong in the Ron Hextall era when he had the opportunity to make the NHL team better in a way that even made sense. He didn't take it, and then he preferred to just sign role players or bad players for the bottom of the roster. Um, that's that Ryan O'Reilly move is something that can really accelerate a rebuild. And like he felt comfortable around that same time giving James Van Riemsdyk a seven by seven, or it wasn't a seven by seven, but a big hefty contract, right? So it's. It just really frustrates me that that opportunity was missed. I think that's the thing that annoys me the most versus the, well, they could have drafted Haskin and they could have drafted McCarr. They could have drafted Pedersen. I do think that some arguments that I've seen have been like, well, the fan base would have rioted if they took anybody other than Patrick at that spot. You can't as a GM function on that wavelength. Uh, You need to pick the best player available. I I understand that thinking. Um, I I don't really think so. The thing is, like, I think the fan base would have criticized it. I don't think that affected Ron Hextall at all. He didn't give a shit about what the fan base wanted because he would have pulled the trigger on a Ryan O'Reilly trade and gone out and got... So that had nothing to do with it. But I think that's more to to tell people that, like, remember what the consensus was at that time. Because I feel like all the McCarr stuff that's coming up right now is really hindsight. It's really like, well, you know, McCarr's a superstar. Like, yeah... Of course we all fucking want Kale McCarr. The Devils would have taken Kale McCarr because Nico Heischer is a fine hockey player, but he ain't Kale McCarr. I think, you know, yeah, of course you're going to kick yourself for not taking Kale McCarr. It sucks. And uh, it's just, it's very annoying that this is even being brought up because the draft, as we all know, is kind of a crapshoot. There is, you know, better talent evaluation you can have. We can't all be Steve Eiserman who can apparently just find, you know, talent anywhere in the draft. But it's... Yeah, but the thing is, ultimately, back at that period, I clearly remember the one-two was Heeshear or Patrick, and the Flyers are going to take whoever it wasn't of the two of them, okay? So, to say it's as cut and dry as, like, well, you know, there were, like, five guys available, like, yeah, they could have, it would have, I think people would have thought they were overthinking it if they had taken McCarr at the time. Now, again, obviously, in hindsight, yeah, you fucking take Kale McCarr, he's amazing, but or Heiskanen, or Pedersen, you know, like, yeah, anybody would have been better than Nolan Patrick there. But at the time, Nolan Patrick was a highly evaluated talent and a guy who was expected to go high because he was, he was talented guy. He's, he is a talented guy. He just hasn't put it together for whatever reason. And it's just so annoying to me that Bob Clark decided to get on this podcast and drop these bombs and, and really distract away 
from the woes of the current team right now. And it's just like, come on, dude. I, he knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, yeah, this. for sure. And I think something that needs to be thought about here, too, is uh, so Hinkle, to her point, um, the other day kind of pointed out like Bob Clark has had a lot of really bad fuck ups in his time as an executive, specifically um the whole debacle with Eric Lindros oh, where he I was completely ruined the relationship um and treated him like shit uh just because he wasn't he wasn't a tough guy because he wouldn't play through concussions, which I mean the Lindros thing, like first off, I I think that the way that they treated him is garbage. I do think though that the claim that the only reason that he got concussed repeatedly is because players like taking runs at him. It's true to a degree, but some of it too is he played with his head down a lot. Just wanted to get that out there really quickly. Sure, um, but if you pull your knee up to head, yeah, down, that yeah, is not a legal hit. <laughs> or if Scott Stevens is coming across the middle of the ice and clotheslining you in the face when you don't have the puck, there's not much you can do about that as a player, right? So yeah, no, th- but the thing is, like, there were a bunch of filthy hits, but. You know, I was ranting in the slack about this, and I think I, I opened Megan's eyes because she, you know. She knew nothing like about you, this. Very young. It's just about the fact that Bob Clark was, he said some really shitty things back in the day as an executive. And this is what we consider the good old days. You know, a lot of us that are my age on Flyers Twitter will talk about the good old days. And these are our good old days. And our good old days kind of sucked because, like, you know, Clark really had a shit relationship with Lindros and his father and his family. And that was a relationship that was only mended by Paul Holmgren. That's the best thing Paul Holmgren did as Flyers GM was mend that fence with Eric Lindros. And, you know, stripping the seed publicly on television. Just what bullshit that was. Like the fucking decision. It was like like the LeBron decision, but not put on like, you know, ESPN or whatever. But still, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? Because you want to embarrass the guy and you also want the fan base to hate him. So that when you dump him for less than an ideal trade, and it was a less than ideal trade, and, uh, you know, they don't look as, they're like, well, they had to get rid of him. That's what, it's all very strategic PR right there. Just like getting on and doing this was strategic PR. Now, I can say that I forgot how bad this Roger Nielsen quote was. Oh, yeah, this shit too. Yeah. He said, uh, Roger Nielsen getting cancer wasn't the organization's fault. The Nielsen situation, Roger got cancer, that wasn't our fault. We didn't tell him to go get cancer. It's too bad that he did. We feel sorry for him, but then he went goofy on us, which is such an abysmal quote that I can't imagine anybody saying. And look, I'm not here to to talk about Bob Clark from 20 plus years ago, what he said. But I do think it's important to remember that, as Steph pointed out, he's corporate. He is a guy who knows what he's saying. He has been an NHL executive for decades at this point. Okay, so this appearance very strategic on his part it is a don't look at this current team stop complaining about this current team think about what it could have been if it wasn't for that guy over in pittsburgh here's here's another thing honestly um that i feel like is getting overlooked in this conversation but is kind of a funny parallel uh talk about you know ron hextall going with his internal biases and going with his guy and nolan patrick over what the room accurately wanted or what the room knew right Bobby Clark, back in the 90s, had the ability to take Yarmir Yager, and the the team knew that Yager was good, but because Ed Snyder, the guy that we all lionized, didn't want to take a European, and because... 
Bob Clark and the whole room was like Mike Ricci is the next Bobby Clark, they took him instead. That's that's a mistake that you could point to and say, you know, Mike Ricci, good guy, good player, uh, and ends up being part of that Lindros package. So he does give the Flyers something generational, but they could have snagged Yager there. I do have a quick correction to make on that one, though. What's that? I believe that Russ Farwell was the GM at that time. Uh, so it's not Clarky, huh? Yeah, yeah, which is an easy... I always kind of lump it all in there to get it for a bit because, like, I think Clark was with the Minnesota North Stars at the time. Uh, yep, that's is, right. That's right. Yeah, That was his first me, it tenure. All, it all lumps together at that point, but regardless, like... That's, that's you know, still one of those things where it's like he's not, you know sniping at other people he's not sniping at paul holmgren for taking sam moran oh right God. or yeah. any of these other bad draft picks he's he's picking on hextall because he knows that he's somebody that he can funnel all of the hatred and the anger of the fan base into and they can all blame that and focus a little bit less on how the team has internally done a shit job of developing talent and they've done a poor job of drafting talent and making sure that they're making smart draft picks and if he uh, he get he's covering for the scouts here too the guys who have stuck around oh and i believe that was a big part of it was yeah. the scouts to defend the scouts and i mean look i i really can't say the flyers have had the most stellar draft history in general i mean i i, I saw some anger the other day about taking travis sanheim over david posternock which is like Okay, well, Pasternak got drafted late in the first round, so you can also say 23 other teams really fucked up there. You know, like, it's not just the Flyers on that front. There's a lot of annoying things that happen in the draft. I I don't think anybody's draft record is perfect. There's certain teams that are better at it than others, but, like, I don't, it's just a weird thing to dredge up at this point and to defend and I, I don't you can, know. You can get frustrated about it and be like, damn, well, that tells us that the organization does a poor job of evaluating talent or the guy at the top made poor decisions. But it, it's not worth getting so worked up about. Like, I was pissed about it for maybe about five minutes and then I got over it because it's like, okay, it happened. It sucks. That's a mistake. The, the Ryan O'Reilly trade I stewed on a little bit longer because – that's like a, come on, man. You really, you really couldn't figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, that's sort of how I felt about when the National Predators had a chance to trade for Mark Stone a while back, and they just didn't do it because they didn't want to trade Ellie Tolvanen, who I like Ellie Tolvanen a lot, but he's not Mark Stone, and he will probably never be Mark Stone. Um, and they were still in their contending window at that point, so I was like, why, why would you not do this? This guy is a top five winger. Why? Uh, that's a frustrating moment that's worth maybe holding on to a little bit. But like the draft picks, I mean, some of it too is a crapshoot and you're never going to be totally happy with what you get in the draft. It's some of it as well. You have no clue if Kale McCarr turns into Kale McCarr with the Flyers or if he's just a mid-level defenseman. Yeah, now, the absolutely. talent the talent is there where you, you look at it and you go, okay, like the, the likelihood of that happening is pretty low. He's probably still Kale McCarr, right? But... You have no clue. You have no clue how things change butterfly effect wise if the Flyers take him rather than the Avalanche. Same goes for Pedersen. Same goes for Haskinen. Again, the most likely outcome is you get them at the caliber that they're playing at or something close to that, but you don't know. And that's the case with any draft pick. You don't know what's going to happen. Like Pascal LaBerge, perfect example. If he gets taken by a different team, 
Maybe through the butterfly effect, he doesn't get, you know, his head punched in a couple times and have his career ruined by concussions and injuries. He's a talented player who looked like he was going to be something promising and he was derailed by getting hurt a bunch. Same goes for Patrick. Same goes for all the rest of these guys. There are just too many things that can happen over the course of development to derail things for you to really dwell that much on draft picks and guys who become stars that you had the opportunity to take. Unless it's something like, just absolutely face palm me. Like when I when I talk about something in the draft that really pisses me off, it's like the the Predators taking I can't even remember the guy's name. It's it's Magnus something, Magnus Kielberg something like that. Uh, who was like the third rated or fourth rated European goalie on the board over John Gibson, who was like the unanimous number one guy, and then they took Austin Watson ahead of Nikita Kucherov in the same draft. So those are the things where. Or it, not Austin Watson over Nikita Kucherov. It was Mika Salamaki. But like those are the things where you look at it and you're like, come on, man. Like Nikita Kucherov was scoring like crazy in Russia and you didn't want to take him because he was small. So you took a low producing Finnish guy. Like it, those are, those are moments where you can actually get pissed. But Kale McCarr, Nolan Patrick, that's like a marginal difference at the time of their drafting. Uh, now you need to trust in your scouts and everything, but McCarr was far from a sure thing. And to treat him as anything otherwise, like Bobby Clark just did, and to treat it as the scouts in that room wanted Kale McCarr and they all agreed that it was Kale McCarr, it's just bullshit. And it's an attempt to redirect attention away from the team has done a poor job of developing the talent that they have had, and they've done a poor job of scouting players as well across the board. They've got a a nice collection of mid-tier. But like, notice how he didn't talk about... uh, you know, they, they misevaluated uh, any of these players that Ron Hextall took. He made a couple bad first round picks. It's his fault. He he specifically talks about that Patrick thing, but what about Travis Sandheim? What about German Rubstoff? What about uh, Travis Konechny, Morgan Frost, Joel Farabee, all these other first round picks who have, you know, become NHL players? He took a shit all over those guys. Yeah, like... <sighs> You can say that they made a mistake in the place that they took them. It's fair on some of them, right? But at the same time, notice how he didn't say that Ron Hextall was the the sole guy responsible for taking them. He blames him taking them on it. Like, he blames Hextall for taking them. But the scouts are probably to blame for quite a bit of that, too, because they probably approved those draft picks. He didn't say anything about them when he was talking about that. So it's really hard for me to believe that the entire fault of this failed rebuild is on Ron Hextall. I think he shoulders a good amount of the blame. I think he has a couple really key screw-ups, but... He locked the door, Eamon. Nobody could open that door. But to, to, to act like the scouts had no role in any of this and that the upper brass that are still there had no role in any of this is ridiculous. And I know that while Hextall was a pretty closed-off guy and he was my way or the highway on a lot of things, he by all accounts, still had a few people within the organization whose opinions he really valued and trusted. I don't think that you can act like he just did everything by himself and never spoke to anybody because it's just not not true. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's it's just really frustrating that Clark, in the midst of all this, felt that he needed to take to the airwaves, so to speak, uh, to just kind of trash a guy who's a former flyer and did a lot for the team, even if he was a pretty shitty GM. Um, 
maybe Hexall has really burned the bridges that badly, but it's it's a little bit wild for an organization that really prides itself on treating ex-players well. Um, and this is the second time he's done that with a Flyers legend where he's just gone and publicly chucked them under the bus like that. So uh, it, it's, it's interesting too how you never saw any of this with Paul Holmgren when he effectively put the franchise uh, back by like five to 10 years with some of the signings that he made and everything. So yeah, I mean, Paul Holmgren, I, I've gone on the record plenty of times complaining about Paul Holmgren's moves, especially at the, the end of his tenure there. But I guess Paul Holmgren just treated the alumni well enough that it wasn't a factor. Yeah, like if you're a nice guy and Bobby Clark likes you, then I guess you don't get lambasted on a, <laughs> you know, a podcast with a couple of NHL writers. It's it's just it's not I get One the frustration NHLer and an NHL writer. I get the frustration. A former NHLer, nobody gave a shit about. But anyway, yeah, it, Damn. it's a pretty popular podcast. I can't talk shit on people's podcast numbers because this is Fly Purpley, the most niche podcast there is. But you know, ultimately, this is all just very annoying to me. It's like, yeah, I know Ron Hextall fucked up, Bob. Like we would have made the playoffs many more years in the past decade if Ron Hextall didn't fuck up. We all are all very aware. Why do you need to dredge this up? I did find some interesting points in Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts on this. I already read point 11, but points 10 and 12 also have to do with the Flyers. Point 10, Bob Clark dropped bombs on Cam Jansen and Andy Strickland's podcast, taking a big run of former Philadelphia GM Ron Hextall. If anything, that confirmed the huge divide between Hextall and the Flyers alumni, a power struggle that played a major factor in Hextall's firing. My main takeaway from the timing of Clark's comments is that the heat is on and Comcast is deciding what direction the team should go. Clark would want current GM Chuck Fletcher to rebuild the team if that's the chosen path. By taking this route, he's he's trying to make sure that happens. He'd do anything to defend someone he likes. Yikes. I mean, I get this, but it, it's just more of that same, you know, kind of criticism that we have of the Flyers where they don't try to do things from an objective perspective, it feels like. Like... Is, is Chuck Fletcher the best guy to lead this franchise right now should be the actual question that they're asking. And I think some of this is just Bobby Clark likes him as a dude. And, yeah, and he probably thinks he's like a super likable guy. He, he probably like, thinks you know, he's a good GM, right? But I just don't, I don't know that if they took an objective look at Chuck Fletcher that they go, he is the best guy to lead this team. If you're looking around the league, probably the best guy to lead the team is Eric Tolsky. But they're never going to hire him because he, again, runs contrary to everything that they believe in and the way that they think things should be done traditionally. And that's that's sort of what this quote like frustrates me about is it's just more of the same insular, well, we like this guy, so we're going to do anything to keep him kind of thing versus we're going to do what's best for the team. Like, I like Chuck Fletcher, but... He's just not the guy I want if we're going to do a full rebuild. I think he was a nice, like, okay, so we want a guy who's still going to value the prospects we have, but make some more moves to make this team competitive now. And he certainly tried to do that, and it just unfortunately is not working out. It's just the the in-between, you know, like Hextall didn't strip down enough and... Chuck Fletcher hasn't ramped up enough and we're just still in the in-between area here, this middle ground that 
is super frustrating to everybody, and I totally get that. So I would think if they are going to rebuild, Chuck Fletcher just simply is not the guy. I think you need a guy with some younger thinking, frankly. Chuck Fletcher is still like kind of an old-school hockey guy, and I really think the Flyers need to move in a completely new direction if they're going to scrap it all down and build it from the ground up. Yeah, they need they need a culture change. That much is clear. Um, and I think the front office has treated this like a we need a culture change only in the locker room, only behind the bench. At some point, you do need to look inward and go, maybe we're not doing things the right way because we've been doing things the same way for the past three, four decades now, and we haven't won a Stanley Cup. So you gotta you gotta kind of eventually hope that they go out on a limb because even Hextall was considered an out outside the box higher because he wasn't working internally and he still was a Flyers alum and Chuck Fletcher is the closest thing they've had to like a legit outside the box hire in well, recent years because I say Hextall was an outside the box hire as far as his philosophy goes because he is the first guy that's come in and this is why and he was going to draft he was going to draft him. right well, and he also cleared out a bunch of space and he didn't really make any big signings, any big trades. Like that was a big philosophical change because the Flyers always make big signings, big trades. They're always in the conversation. And this was the first period of time where they weren't even involved in trade rumors at all. They were never involved under Hextall because he really wanted to keep things, you know, under behind locked doors. Apparently <laughs> I love this locked door quote. And Hextall was actually a, a shift change for this, but, a lot of people didn't like the shift change. And and frankly, again, my problem is Hextall didn't go far enough. You know, he either needed to pull the trigger sooner on making moves to make the team good now, or he needed to scrap it all down and lose, maybe lose, process it up for a couple years. And he just did this in between and it just sucked. Yeah, but they, they haven't like still he had connections with people, right? And yeah, but I he mean, was, Chuck he Fletcher was... also has, like, connections back in the day with the Flyers. I don't know. He's not as outside as he, like, I think appears. appears. Yeah, I, I get that. It's just, they're really, they're not trying something different, I feel like, in terms of where the person they're bringing in is coming from. Hextall is the closest thing they've had to that. And he's still, like, it was unconventional for the Flyers. But when you look at the general NHL landscape, he wasn't really doing anything that much different from what a lot of other teams do. So I I really do think they should take a long, hard look at bringing in somebody like, we've seen NHL GMs who are, you know, we're, we're analytics people or whatever. And if you look at their moves, they're just totally not in line with analytics. Um, Ron Francis is one that comes to mind. The other one being uh, John Chaka. Uh, Chaka in particular, like, totally contrary to everything that analytical information would tell you spent big on a lot of players that made no sense to spend big on the only thing he did well was evaluate goaltending uh so i don't know that we've really seen an nhl gm yet who can effectively weaponize having that set of data and information to make smart signings and trades the closest we've seen is in carolina and don waddell and we know that the real point guy behind a lot of that stuff is Dr. T. Eric Tolsky. And I mean, I he, he wrote the owner who, who said he wanted to win. Yeah. Games. <laughs> that's, that's what happened. He said he wanted to win games and they began to win games. Nah, but yeah, like, 
everything's force of will. That's all it is, guys. <laughs> but, I mean, Tolski wrote for Broad Street Hockey, Flyers fan. Uh, and I honestly was shocked that when the team was hiring analytics folks, he wasn't the first call. But bring him in and let him determine the direction of the franchise if you're going to do that full stripped-down direction or even if you want to contend, I just think it's worth giving somebody like him a crack at doing things differently, doing things smarter, and maybe taking the reins a little bit. Either that or you need somebody who's able to come in and really take command of the Flyers alumni and the executives because it feels like right now they still have the ability to run the show a little bit. And you have if you have somebody who's more of a CEO type where they're they're smart making trades and everything but also they can just kind of harangue all of the conflicting voices in the room and get them to be productive i feel like that would be a positive development too because right now the vibe i get um is that they're sort of still pulling the strings and that can't be the way that things go uh because it's pretty clear at this point that paul holmgren and bobby clark should not be making consistent day-to-day operations decisions for an nhl team anymore uh that time has passed so it's it's time for some change is the bottom line and i think clark being this outspoken about all of this and the friedman thing kind of indicates that to me that we we need to hear some different voices in the room because this kind of shit of throwing other GMs and alums under the bus and trying to just protect everything that's been done in there is wrong and it's not healthy for the team to do. Uh, that's that's my main takeaway, honestly. What is Clark's role currently? Is he just like a guy who hangs out and like says like, bad decision, boss. Good decision, boss. Like, what, is, what is his current role? He's the bag man. <laughs> there it is. Okay. He pays the college free agents. That's it. Like I- I know Paul Holmgren's the president, but I don't know anymore. This is like, uh, flyers, flyers, flyers. Let's talk about point number 12 uh, from Elliot. Uh, let's talk about point number 12 from Elliot Friedman's 32 thoughts, where he said, it's been too long, but love doing games in Philadelphia. You'll remember that when Patrick Kane scored to win the 2010 Stanley Cup, no one realized it was in. I was working ringside then, standing in the Zamboni area with a monitor. As I watched the replay, several fans started yelling, is it in? Is it a goal? And when I nodded and said yes, what followed was some of the loudest, most creative swearing ever heard on earth. The passion was amazing. Their love for the Flyers, both past and present. Philadelphia's upcoming scouting meetings are going to be intense. There will be deep conversations about both personnel and on-ice direction. However, it sure seems like the organization needs to work on something else, re-engaging history. I couldn't believe how many angry direct messages filled my inbox because what would have been Ed Snyder's 89th birthday was not recognized during last Thursday's game against Pittsburgh. That follows many of the same fans feeling last November's Flyers Hall of Fame induction was mishandled. There's work to do here. So, this is an issue that's come up a lot lately and social media in particular uh, about the history and the alumni and Ed Snyder's birthday and all that. And I don't want to go in too long on this. Cause I really, I don't care <laughs> if I'm being totally honest, like all the respect in the world to Ed Snyder and his contributions to the flyers. And uh, you know, I, I do think obviously like there is a statue out front of Ed Snyder. Ed Snyder is somebody who has done a ton for the flyers and should be honored. But I, I'm not really worked up about the lack of the birthday ceremony. I'm not really worked up about, I don't know, the 
the alumni thing starting earlier and I don't care. I don't care. I love, I love the alumni. I went to the alumni game. I had a blast at the alumni game. I love Flyers history. I don't care about any of this though, because I just want the team now to win. Like, I feel like this is all big distraction away from this team, not probably going to compete for another like five years because hockey is not as quick of an overnight rebuild as basketball or the NFL. Like, you know, we talk a lot about the Sixers process because that is the most clear cut example, a famous example, probably in all of sports of a team tearing it down and building it back up. And that even that took years because, and you have a lot less pieces to fill on an NBA team than you do on an NHL team. And I just feel like complaining about all this history stuff and the Flyers, you know, yeah, they're usually pretty good with history. It's just such a distraction from the fact that this team is just so mediocre and there's so many things they need to rework and move around to, to really compete and be a powerhouse. I here's, here's like my thing is if we're going to do this, I understand Ed Snyder, the most important person in Flyers history. And I do think that he should be celebrated consistently every year in some way. Right. Uh, but like they haven't done this since he died. Yes. And People are just now getting pissed about this. Why is that? It's probably because the team is fucking awful. And that's why. Because they want something to get angry about. And fair's fair. I want to be pissed about something too if I have to watch this team. See, but, I don't want to be pissed about anything. I'm just going to move on with my day. Like, why get so mad about the fight? Why do you have to be mad? I, I have to be mad because if I don't, then I just internalize my anger and stay angry. And it's... It's ugly for everybody, but take some boxing lessons, guys. Come on, yeah, I, I, plenty of outlets. But there's there's a there's a more reasonable way to look at this than oh, the Flyers didn't do anything for Ed Snyder's 89th birthday. This is unprecedented. Like, do they celebrate? And and correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't live in Philly, so I don't go to every single game in person. So I don't know if they do this, but do they celebrate every year Barry Ashby's birthday? Do they celebrate every year Pelly Lindbergh's birthday? No. Sir. no. They don't do that for every single critical person in the franchise's history who passed away, and I don't think they ever really did do that. Now, again, I might be wrong on that point. Maybe they did celebrate Pelle Lindbergh's birthday and Barry Ashby's birthday no, in like the they, 80s and the 90s or never something. Never done that. But never. I don't think they did. I don't think they ever did. So I know they did it. I was there in the 90s. I know they did it. You've been and around just, that long. <laughs> I have. I'm an old man. Uh, you know, I've been around. I've seen some shit and. If I don't care about this thing, I don't know why everybody else does, because I was a Ed Snyder was the Flyers chairman for most of my Flyers fanhood. And I am very aware of Ed's pluses and minuses. But, you know, the, the guy is who made the Flyers the Flyers. We all know this. It is true. It is known. I, I'm not really I. I have a lot of other... This world is really fucked up, guys. I have a lot of other things to worry about more than Ed Snyder's birthday. I really am not upset about this. And yeah, sure. If the Flyers want to go out and, and honor Mr. Snyder, yeah, go ahead and do it. I, I think it's certainly warranted, but it's also not something that is really like got me up in arms. Like I'm not going to go protest down at the Wells Fargo Center over this. Like This is not... And not to sound insensitive, but like honoring somebody's birthday after the past is not exactly like, I don't find it the most necessary thing. If you want to do it as like, 
you have an Ed Snyder night every year where you honor him and it's it, it's usually around his birthday, then I say go for that. But like, I don't know. Sure. Have a tweet every year or something like that. But I, I'm not. But this, this is this is, not, is the thing. Why here? am I talking about this? Stuff? This is the fucking thing. thing. Like, if if you just did a tweet then people would be displeased with that because they'd be like, well, this isn't enough. And if you did honoring him during the game, then people would be like, well, you know, that's fine, but it really isn't enough. You need to do more for it. Not, this, this is not about the amount that is being done to honor Ed Snyder. He has a fucking statue. Like, that's about as much as you can do in terms of honoring somebody and preserving their legacy. He has a statue outside the Wells Fargo Center. And... I, I, you could put his name in the rafters, I guess, like if it's not there already. Uh, but people know who Ed Snyder is and the Flyers, I think, have done a decent job. The Snyder Hockey Foundation exists. Like there's there's stuff out there that's going to keep his name and legacy intact for a while to come. You could argue, yeah, they do need to ramp up the efforts here. But no matter what they had done, I still think the people who had started this whole idea of the Flyers are like desecrating their treatment of alumni and their treatment of their history would still be angry because what they're really angry with is that this team has not been competitive for the past decade. And that that actually is worth getting angry about because it's unacceptable, but be truthful in where your anger is coming from. And hey, maybe then rather like just getting angry at you know comcast and everything who to a degree are responsible for all this look at bobby clark and paul holmgren who are also responsible for this type of stuff like they've been here they've been around they've been around during the era that was the quote-unquote golden days where the flyers did everything right and never did anything wrong uh and please don't fact check that so i don't think the flyers have done anything right since the broad street bullies yeah like they it's it's being treated as this is a no podcast only teams. thing. Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren have control over this sort sort of stuff. They have the ability to do it the right way, and they're not, in their opinion, and and it, kind of in my opinion, I thought they could have done a better job with the Flyers alumni game too. At the very least, having a basic video stream set up would have been cool. But but they never do that. For they never do that. So acting like this is some new development and the team has somehow drastically changed recently because of these things. It's just downright wrong. It's incorrect. It's, it's a falsehood and it's being portrayed as not in some sort of revelation because the people who want to peddle these ideas want to act like they're more informed and, uh, have have loftier ideas of what the franchise should be or whatever. But it's, it's fucking dumb when you boil it down. <laughs> to the base points of what's actually going on here. It's fine to be like the flyers should do better in their efforts to do this. It's another thing to be like, this is an endemic failure of a franchise to like not honor Ed Snyder's 89th birthday with a fucking Facebook post. Like, what are we even talking about here? Or a sticker on the helmet. Yeah. Like Jesus, because Jesus Christ, man, an organization that Ed Snyder founded, had honored it and that got people going well, what about the flyer and i'm like I, this hasn't been a thing I, and 89 isn't and, so do a sticker anyway, Snyder, that's cool that's cool and it's fine to hold the franchise accountable yeah. but there's a difference between being like the flyers should do this in the future and they really should replicate the efforts that they've seen in snyder hockey at the pro level because this is the team at snyder built 
and it's worth honoring him on a consistent basis to going, well, the Flyers didn't honor the owner's birthday, so therefore they've completely disregarded all their history, and this isn't the franchise that I grew up loving. Like, totally different conversation, because one of them is saying, okay, this is something that hasn't been done in the past, but it should be fixed in the future, and the other one is acting like this is something that has been done, and something has changed suddenly, when it's just false. That's not true. By the way, for the record, Ed Snyder has a banner right next to Bernie Perron in the rafters. Yeah, so like, it's not like people are going to forget who this guy is. Again, you can do something extra. You can do something extra to kind of honor him on a specific night of the year or whatever. But I don't I don't understand the full uproar over this in the alumni game. Now, if it's like a consistent track record of they're they're starting to not do things that they did in the past that's one thing and i do understand there's like frustration about how comcast has handled season ticket packages and stuff like that it doesn't feel as personal anymore uh since ed snyder has been gone i i get that it makes sense i actually didn't even know that. yeah like there's there's like a whole thing about the flyers have not treated season ticket holders the right way uh, under Comcast and corporate ownership recently. And that makes sense to me and computes with me because with Ed Snyder, the way that the team was run was very familial, right? And like, what I, did they do then that they do? Like, they don't I don't do really now. know the specifics. As a plebe who can't afford season tickets, I have no idea. What <laughs> yeah, as, as, a, as a poor. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't I, know the specifics, but I'm I just sure know there's, something, there's been sure general there's... complaints about like the team doesn't do enough on the season ticket end anymore and they're not as good about treating the fans the right way and to an extent probably fair because when you have ed snyder running the team he's very concerned about making sure that the customer is happy and he wants a product that fans can enjoy because he himself was a fan right sure so it's it's a different feel when you have a guy who is a hardcore fan of the sport running the team and dictating the way that processes work versus Comcast and Dave Scott, where like they want the team to win. I think anybody who's assuming otherwise is wrong because they'd make more money if the team was winning. But at the same time, they don't have that same passion for hockey itself like Ed Snyder did, and they don't care as much about the fans, I don't think. So I get that criticism, but like the the whole the Flyers are butchering the history and they're not doing things that they used to in the past claims. Right now, there's not any real evidence to back that up. Um, but it, as we've it's said, just it, people ugh. are just upset about the current team, and they don't really know how else to take it out. So it's like let's put a microscope on what they're doing for all that. Because like, you know the Flyers are trying to improve the in arena experience, but that pisses people off because, and specifically, I feel like they've been trying to appeal more to to younger fans and children and stuff. And unfortunately younger fans and children are not quite you know i feel like back in back in my day it was more like oh your dad took you to games and that's how you got into it and then you're a big flyers fan for life and it's just more distractions now and just stuff to hold your attention and you kind of got to have to do theme nights and mascots and stuff and i know it sucks and people think there's this big conspiracy that like oh they're pushing gritty over the like I don't know. Gritty's going to get younger fans involved and a guy who played in 1992, not so much. It's just kind of how it is. Unfortunately, it's not a conspiracy. It's just marketing. And for the record, guys, marketing is a totally different department 
than the GM and the on ice decisions. Like this is just some of the stuff that people get like upset about as far as like what the flyers like tweet and stuff. It's like, you're, you're yelling at two different departments. Megan had a really good quote just now in the slack. Uh, I am mad at Comcast. Yes. Keep going. Because the flyers are bad. Mm, you've, you've missed the point here. It's, <laughs> it's fine to be pissed at Comcast because they're, a soulless corporation that lives to, you know, profit off of you and they don't really give a damn about you. But in the case of the Flyers, it's it's not them actively wanting the Flyers to be shitty. That goes contrary to every single bit of business sense that they could possibly have. It's that they're they're not they're not fielding an executive group and a scouting room and everything that's getting the job done. And that's, it's as simple as that. Comcast doesn't produce the on ice product. They're responsible for having the people in the front office who do that. But I don't, I don't think that this is really, again, like a lot of these people are holdovers from Ed Snyder. So yeah, it's, it's not like they've radically changed everybody who's in the front office since coming into controlling the team. It's just, I mean, it's, it's all dumb. It's all so dumb. The short of it is, the Flyers have never adapted to the salary cap era. It's that simple. The Flyers have never done well in the salary cap era. Uh, they had a miracle run, and they almost built a nice team, and then it got blown up, and that's pretty much it. The, you know, when the team could spend whatever the fuck they wanted, and they did great, but then they couldn't anymore, and they just have never adapted well to it, and that's where we're at. And they spend the salary cap, but they don't spend their money well. You know? bring in dr t that's that's sure. the end of this that, conversation we should that. we should move on <laughs> uh, yeah i want to move on but the, the the long and short of it for me as i i've used that phrase twice in the past two minutes but whatever it all comes down to you gotta work smarter okay not harder you gotta work smarter if you bring in if you're gonna rebuild do it let's do something new let's not Let's not focus on the past, right? Let's not focus on the old school. Let's do something new. Let's innovate. Let's try a different path, okay? Let's not just keep beating our heads against the wall, as they always used to say in the Andy Reid era, because every fucking WIP listener or caller knew this quote during the Andy Reid era. They'd be like, hey, Angelo, you know, the, uh, the uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. I'll hang up and listen. All the fucking time on Sports Talk Radio during the Andy Reid Eagles era. It was unbelievable. But you know what? Let's apply it to let's apply that to the Flyers, okay? Let's go a new path. Let's try something new. Yeah, it can't get much worse, right? This is, I mean, we're just watching unwatchable hockey and it, it, the whole team's frustrated and it's, it's bad. It's bad. And, you know. It's a, it's a sad time. There there are many things that are sad, much like Slam and Sammy leaving the oh, beat. Oh, oh my my heart. Uh we Taking have to it say to the beats. A a very like half-hearted so long here because uh Sammy decided not to retire but to move on to a new site. But Sam Carcini, our friend of the show right here, <laughs> Slam and Sammy Carcini has decided to take a deal, a buyout deal from the Inquirer and retire from the Inquirer. And he's uh, now taking his talents over to Philly hockey now. And, you know, I just have to say, taking it to the beats, taking it to the beats. Just a very somber, taking it to the beats here. Just a uh, taking it to the beats. 
just very sad moment for Slam and Sammy here. He's no longer the key guy, but you know, he hasn't lost his touch because he's already got it's just great tweets out there where he retweeted ASF about the COVID protocol and the fact that they didn't delay the, the Penguins game, but they delayed the Ducks Red Wings game. And he said, garage league. And yep. Sam meant to say garbage league. <laughs> I like, I like that he didn't even bother to correct it in like a, you know, reply to it or anything. He just left it. He's like, just fuck it. it. Good enough. I'm, re- I'm not working for the inquirer anymore. Who cares? He's, well, he's working alongside uh, the likes of noted goat of asking questions in post-game pressers, Adrian Dater. So, uh, oh, Dater. God, that guy. I mean, the hot take of Matic 3000 is still roaring and ready to go. But the thing is, we know this guy does not like to backpedal. You know, he doesn't like to correct mistakes. Because I wanted to go through some of his greatest hits. Because, again, he, he's not gone but he's no longer with the Inquirer, so he doesn't quite have the level he's of forgotten. prestige. He's forgotten. <laughs> he's never forgotten. Not in our hearts. But the most famous incident in all of my time doing Flyperbole with Sam Carcitti is the time he got fooled on the Wayne Simmons trade. And <laughs> I found out that the tweet still exists. He never deleted the tweet that he got chided by bob mckenzie for. well that would make him a coward <laughs> he, he would never do that oh my god it's just like if you're not familiar with this and i think if you listen to the show for long enough you absolutely are familiar with this but a few years ago when wayne simmons was being traded from the flyers uh at one point sam carcini thought that he got traded to the edmonton oilers for jesse pulley and bob mckenzie had replied and was like what are you talking about sam and sam has this this he's like tsn reported it it's like uh, bob mckenzie he's like i don't think so and sam replies with this screenshot this iphone screenshot of like a facebook page and it's tsn hockey trade alert the edmonton oilers have traded goaltender cam talbot and forward jesse pulley to the philadelphia flyers for forward wayne simmons stay tuned to tsn for more information about this trade and it is the worst photoshop i've ever seen like it's still got the the apple like photo and done at the top uh it's from canada because it's got rogers for the the network it's on and the tsn logo the verified tsn logo in this facebook posting or no it's a tweet apparently it's not even a facebook it's just a tweet is like fading it's fading like thanos dusted it away (laughs) with a snap like it's unbelievably bad it is one of the worst photoshops i've ever seen and he posted this out there to bob mckenzie like look at this proof right here bob jesus christ man i'm reading through the article titled aptly sam carcitti owns at twitter uh this this is just so it's so good if it is duped apologies to tsn it looks real but in this day and age who knows thank you sam (laughs) it does not look real my friend it does not look real like the the fading away graphics is just so The, the, the the thing that kills me is the the fucking tsn hockey hashtag being in like the bottom right corner and also being fading and then the the font is the wrong size and like there's a tweet below it that's the right size it's an actual tweet and, and the font's the wrong size and then it's just like a random like non-cropped side-by-side vertical picture of cam talbot and jesse pull <laughs> 
and no, no Wayne, Wayne Simmons. Simmons. And it's just, it's so evidently fake. And I, I would feel bad for Sam because this totally feels like something where it's like your grandpa shows you and they're like, look at this and everything. Look, it but happened. He's, He's he's a reporter. He should know better than this. Like, my God, man. And then the fact that he defended it against Bob McKenzie is so good. Just the cherry on top. Gotta love the guy. Oh, my gosh. Let's I'm going to quickly go through some of the other greatest hits right here, but that's definitely the best of the best. There's a the time Jake Voracek uh, retweeted a Sam Carcini tweet that said unconfirmed Wayne Simmons dealt for Bryce Harper and Gio Gonzalez and Jake said, almost fell off the chair. How hard I'm laughing now. Hashtag not. Fucking Which owned. Oh my gosh. 90s humor from Jake right there. I love it. Oh. That's not even that's not even the best Jake beat writer tweet though, because it's still Are You Shitting Me <laughs> to Charlie. Are you shitting me is great. I mean, Sam's also got great things like the lowest fi on ice videos you can imagine the, the, the wade allison fight from this year in, in the preseason that might be his magnum opus that was so good it looked like it was taken with a potato in the year of our lord 2021 like i think he's got like the the like 20 pound 80s camcorder out there to take these videos it's absurd i don't understand and the the, the other really good one the other day was he tried to upload a gif and just uploaded a picture instead (laughs) and then tried it like twice he tried it like two or three times before he finally got it steve you're 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 phasing into the uh karchidi realm of old i'm I'm worried for you (laughs) i'm not i'm not 80 years old yet i know he's not 80 but look sometimes you save the you save the gif and it doesn't translate right it happens sometimes but Let's see some of these other ones. Bob McKenzie breaking the Kevin Hayes signing for seven years, 50 million. And then 23 minutes later, Carcidi tweeting out that the Flyers reportedly close to signing Hayes to a six year deal, according to TSN, where Bob works. Pretty, pretty solid job there. That's that's a Wayne Fish classic right there by Sam. (laughs) Oh, Wayne Fish, the best, best in the biz, you know, we never take down the fish man because the fish man. Checks, he has his he gimmick his and he stays in his lane. He knows. <laughs> he takes his time. He gets it right. He knows. He knows what's up. Uh, Sam also had the AOC joke tweet and oblivious to why it was an issue that he put it out there. So that was good. Uh, writing about Carter Hart splitting with his sports psychologist, which was just wildly inappropriate. Uh, here's a great one, too. Flyers had their lowest home attendance of the season last night. This is from a couple years ago. You are not attending their games because of cost of tickets, Kate Smith controversy, doing Christmas shopping, teams past struggles. I love the capitalization on this one. At the beginning of every post comma statement, we've got a new capital letter, which good God, man. Come on now. That dude's obsession with the Kate Smith statue is an all timer. It's just he's going to dig her up so he can start smooching her. He might. He might. And then. She could sing them some old timey songs. Oh no! And then finally, my one of my favorites, and this is a more recent one: Robert Haig, a salt of the earth guy who was <laughs> underappreciated with the Flyers, had a goal and assist, a plus three rating, and three block shots as the Buffalo Sabers whipped Tampa Bay five to one tonight. Buffalo, which got Haig and first and second round picks for Risto, is four one and one. Obviously, at the beginning of this season, I just love the. 
salt of the earth guy was underappreciated with the well players. like who knows robert haig seems like a fine dude so maybe sam Carcitti just really liked him as a person but like it just cracks me up that it was five games into six games into the year and he felt the need to be like man the flyers should have kept bobby big hits and their first and second round pick even though he was one of the dudes who was really stoked that they got risto if i remember correctly i just don't ugh. It's it's another one of those classic, like, what do you want here, man? You wanted the big physical defenseman, and then now you're you're whining about them trading Robert Haig. Like, are we really doing this right now? Should have oh traded Sanheim instead of instead of body bag. Hey. Oh, we got we got the plus minus and three block shots too, uh, which is which is a classic. Oh, it's just perfection. It's absolute perfection. So I mean, you know, Sammy, he's still gonna be around, but just not with the Yankee anymore. Not with the Inquirer. It's a, it's a shame. It's just tragic, let me tell you. But uh, really just some all-timers. A classic right there. And uh, probably the last of the truly annoying beat writers that the Flyers have had. Rest in peace The going up on a Tuesday picture. Do you do you remember what I'm talking about? Which one was that again? Uh, it's the, it's the Kurt photo with uh, Panach and... Uh... Oh, Carcitti yeah. <laughs> and uh, all of them. Oh yeah, like the I like the one where they're out at the the shore and they're yeah the yeah they're all they're all chilling right. together. Yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Rest in peace, that entire that entire group of guys. They're no longer on like the main city beats anymore. It's you know it's tragic. It's tragic. All right, Eamon. I had I had something I was going to go through, but I decided I think we've run pretty long, so I just I I think I just want to do the game right. Here. Okay, go ahead. Okay. So I've got a game for Eamon today, and this is one that Emily came up with, and we're calling it the Cameo Over Under. So Cameo is a site that people can go to to, uh, you know, pay celebrities to record videos for their friend's birthday and stuff like that, or congratulations or whatever. We're all pretty familiar with Cameo, I think. So I went through and I found people related to the Flyers and Philly sports, but we're going to mostly focus on hockey and the Flyers. And I want Eamon to guess if this person's personal use is under or over $50, okay? Oh, boy. And then we're also going to guess the, the business price as well. Oh, but my God. this is <laughs> this is, this is going to be interesting. I'll just put it that way. So our first one right here, former Flyers defenseman Chris Terrian, Bundy. Is Bundy, for personal use, a cameo under or over $50? Hmm. This is hard for me because I feel like Bundy is a guy with a strong enough ego where he might be over $50, but also he very much is not worth over $50 because he's probably the most publicly accessible flyer for better or worse. So I'm going to go with under because I feel like he, he probably recognizes like He's not he's not a flyer with like some huge extensive legacy or anything and he's already pretty publicly accessible but I would not be shocked if it's over. It is under. Personal use is $40 for a Chris Terrian cameo. That's that's reasonable I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't feel like Chris Terrian wishing me a happy birthday is really worth $40 but uh to each their own i guess uh, if somebody maybe, wants to spend the money maybe you're I mean, a big fan maybe you're a big fan of the t-man if i throw in an extra 10 to 20 bucks can i get eric desjardins in there too because that's really the only way chris Terrian's worth it is if eric desjardins is there 
Damn. Really, really slamming on him there. I don't know. I'm sorry, I had to watch him a lot in the nineties and it wasn't Maybe it wasn't maybe great. you're a big fan. Maybe you're a big fan of Chris T. You know? Maybe you liked him when he was doing uh the studio stuff for the Flyers. I actually I thought he was okay in that role. Um now I don't really know what he's doing. He's, he's he screaming into the void on hair. Twitter. Uh, I just which... remember he had very slicked back hair doing that. If I could slick back my hair and look like I was on The Sopranos, then I, I would maybe try doing it too. So, <laughs> You woke up this morning and made that decision. For business use, do you have any guesses on the ballpark of where Chris Terrian would be? Hmm. This is all just for funsies, the business use. I'm going to guess like upwards of a hundred bucks, but... I don't know. I don't know how extreme he would go. $250 for business use for Chris Terrian. Honestly, if you're if you're like a small business, I don't feel like that's that bad of a deal because he has a decent Twitter following and uh, apparently people listen to him. So not not an awful idea, I guess. But yeah, 250 that seems about right. I don't know. I, I just wanted to price his right it and go like $100 or greater. So, <laughs> Okay, now continuing with the 90s. Johnny Vermont, John LeClaire. How much for a... Is it over or under $50 for a personal use cameo from John LeClaire? Over. Absolutely over. It's $150 for a personal yeah, use. Yeah, I, I hammer the over on that one because LeClaire does not seem like a guy who's going to do stuff like that willy-nilly. So... He's, he's okay, personable then. enough, but he's not like one of the flyers where he's constantly in the public eye. Yeah, and he, you know, he probably made a pretty penny during his career. I'm sure he did. Probably invested it well. Now, for business purposes, any guesses on where Johnny Vermont is? I'm going to say he's in like the like $800 up range, something like that. $1,500 for yeah, the John LeClaire right. business cameo. I'm trying I'm trying to stay low here, but I my initial guess was like around twelve hundred dollars or something like that. So I feel I feel pretty good about that one. Now, the next one. We're going to the current team for this one. Cam Atkinson. I'm gonna go with over on the personal. I feel like any per- current player who's not like a total bottom of the roster guy is gonna be over fifty dollars. So Cam Atkinson is over, and he's not currently taking requests, but his last listing on Cameo was from $70, so $70 for a Cam Atkinson one. Also, he hasn't updated in a bit because it's still listed as the Blue Jackets. He he was so distraught about leaving noted entertainment capital Columbus, Ohio, that he's just given up on Cameo. Leave the Flyers have drained him of any energy. Just completely drained of all that. No, Cam Atkinson is number two in points on this team. He's actually one of the guys who's shown up for clutch time this year. <laughs> Much like Andrew McDonald of years past. Hell yeah. he's yeah, Andrew McDonald is always ready for clutch time. Let me tell you. All right. How about Flyers broadcaster Jim Jackson? Hmm. I'll take the under on this. You are correct. And just barely because Jim Jackson's personal use cameo, $49. That's such an odd number for him to pick, but it seems on brand for some reason to me. Or he'd do $49.99 or something like that. And then for business purposes, JJ has had a cool 500. Yeah, I would have guessed something like $300, $400, but he's totally worth 500 bucks because he's, I mean, it's Jim Jackson. He's the voice of the Flyers. That's, if you're advertising anything hockey really, like let's say you're, you're a pro shop or something like that. 100% get Jim Jackson to do a voiceover thing for a commercial or something like that. 
Your team will score big. <laughs> okay. Just something like that. Yeah, that'd be good. Now, how about Keith Jones? Mm, he's a national guy, so I'll say over. He's at $99. Again, why not the extra dollar? Damn, I'm perfect so far. This is crazy. I think you're going to go perfect in this one. I think you've got a good sense. I probably should have put the over-under at a different uh, price point, but we'll see. Business purposes for Keith Jones, 245 He's actually under JJ in that regard, which, you know, hey, I love Jonesy, but that checks out. Yeah, because think about it like he's he's not going to have as much regional appeal right with jackson you get somebody that everybody in philadelphia knows and everybody in like the greater philadelphia area knows um so it it has more value to you as a smaller business versus uh jonesy you don't really have as many people who identify him as strongly with the flyers or hockey so it, it, it that computes so here's my favorite one of the bunch right here oh boy Current flyer, Nate Thompson. Oh, okay. This one might be where I screw up because I feel like on the one hand, he's definitely not worth a $50 cameo. But on the other hand, I feel like people, he's he's like a big personality guy and he has a contingent of really hardcore fans. So I'm going to go with the over. This is the first one you've gotten wrong. Uh, He's at $44 for business. For his for his number that he first wore with the Flyers. Correct. Timotimanen's number. And then for business purposes, a cool $400 for Nate Thompson. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. Now, here's my favorite part of this Nate Thompson on Cameo thing and why I was so excited to play this game was most of these guys are rated like 4.9 stars, 5 stars, because, you know, hockey, there's only a few people, and you're probably pretty happy with the the quick video you're getting from these guys, right? Oh, God. What did he do? was only rated 2.3 stars on Cameo. Holy shit. There were three reviews listed, okay? One of them was from A, star, star, star. So somebody didn't want to put their name in there, but it starts with an A, five stars. Thank you so much, Nate. Your video made my daughter's birthday amazing. So somebody had a great time with that. However, there were two one-star reviews listed, and I believe they were both from like 20, 21 days ago, around that time frame. The first one's from Brianna. One star, sorry, Nate, won't be sharing. And then Kayla had a one-star review very similar review where it says sorry nate video was pretty creepy will show only as an afterthought not as the gift it was intended jesus man oh nate thompson what'd you do he's he's just uh leering into the camera just staring him down happy birthday george he's <laughs> just like <laughs> Like, I I would I would actually probably pay 50 bucks just to see what Nate Thompson said to these people right here. Yeah, that'd be worth it. I'd like to see what the message looks like. Like, whew. I mean, what what is he saying? What, what is he saying he or doing that's done? so creepy? What did you do, Nate Thompson? I need to know. Is he like Hannibal Lecter secretly with a beard and we just don't know because he looks so affable in front of a camera and then you put him on cameo and he reveals a little like sliver of his psychopath nature? The mask comes off and it's just nothing good. I, I don't know. I want to know. I hope you have a wonderful birthday. <laughs> like, 
If you have information pertaining to Nate Thompson's creepy caveat, <laughs> please dial Flyperbole at one eight 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 Flyperbole. Call the tip line. Call the tip line. Call the Flyperbole tip line today. Oh my gosh! All right, I've got I've got a bunch listed, but this will take a while. I might even save some for future reference. But I've got at least one more I want to do right now, and that okay. would be former Flyers goaltender Peter Morazic, Mister Azic, as I like to call him, over or under. $50. Hmm. This is hard. Because it's a hard one. he sucked ass as a flyer. Obviously. He had he had Derek Zoolander syndrome. He couldn't turn left. But uh I really I really think it might be the over because he was quite good in his time in Carolina and he was a really good uh goalie for them and then also popular player over there too. So I'm gonna take the over on this one, but I won't be shocked if it's the under. You are correct with the over. Personal use for Peter Morazic cameo is $99. Oh my gosh, you could get two Nate Thompsons for that. That's crazy. <laughs> True. Buy one Nate, get one free. I cannot believe this was $99. And for business purposes, $700 for Peter Morazic. I'm I'm not that stunned by it because, again, he was a really popular guy. Also, when he was in Detroit, too. I remember there were a lot of people who were pretty upset with them trading him away. Uh, and he was a good goalie in Carolina and one of those dudes where they liked him a lot. So, And now, now he plays in uh, Toronto, right? So yeah. another big market where regardless of if you're a super popular player or not, you can afford to kind of sell yourself a little more expensively because people are going to pay if you play for the Leafs. So... That, that makes sense, but still seems a little steep for me when you can get two Nate Thompsons for that price. <laughs> two creepy Or Nate one Cam one Atkinson. Yeah, you can get Nate Thompson, like, licking his lips and looking at you like a piece of meat. <laughs> or Cam Atkinson just, like, sobbing into the camera and saying, take me back to Columbus. I want to go to the Dave and Buster's capital of the world. <laughs> just, just Nate Thompson staring deeply into the camera going, I'll clear your crease. <laughs> <laughs> Just oh, stroking man. his beard and like eyes like wide the fuck open looking at you and just going, happy birthday. Hope you make it to the next one. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh my gosh. And then I'm going to end this on one, one more. And that would be. A guy who hasn't played hockey in a few years, and I probably know him best for driving on three wheels on his car, and that would be one Matthew Barnaby. Oh boy. Under. Gotta You're, take the under. You got that one. That is third, <laughs> and he's not currently taking requests, but from $30 for a Matthew Barnaby. Barnaby, isn't Barnaby one of those guys where he follows literally everybody on Twitter? Is he? I don't know. I, guess. I don't. I don't remember. I'm maybe thinking of a different guy, but there are oh, a couple a different hockey that, players yeah. where they follow like ten thousand people on Twitter or something absurd like that. It's. I would not be shocked if he's listen. He he's a forgettable enough guy where that seems about right. Doesn't have a following like Zeke Romaldo, who who. <laughs> He added wasn't his on thoughts. there, by the way. I, I looked, and he was not on there. He added his thoughts to the Ed Snyder thing the other day. That was pretty fun. Oh my god! Just his thoughts as a guy, as a as an athlete who enjoys sports, regardless of the sport he plays. <laughs> it's 
still the best. That will never get old. That will never get old. I really wanted to drop that on Kurt last week, and I didn't, like, I forgot to at a certain point. I was like, God damn it, I listened back. Like, it was the perfect time. Missed opportunity, but hey, you can't can't always land them. You can't always expect to find the back of the net with every shot, right, Steve? That's true, and you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think a pretty good hockey player said that. Okay, who said that. Guy who beat Rick Tockett in the eighties. You know? Yeah, I don't well, I don't want to think about him beating Rick Tockett in the eighties. That's you know, just unpleasant memories right there. And we're talking about Nate Thompson, of course. Indeed. Nate Thompson, <laughs> the immortal the immortal, immortal Nate Thompson, Thompson. <laughs> who feeds on the blood of Flyers fans and fans everywhere to sustain his youth. He's actually five hundred years old. Yeah, yeah, I guess he must be. That's it explains a lot. He's an energy vampire. Oh, he is an energy vampire, a hundred percent. That explains it. That explains it. That explains why Cam Atkinson and Claude Giroux looked so done during the drip thing. He's just draining them of all of their energy. <laughs> He's is. the one ruining this team. He's responsible. You'll you heard it here first. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what a podcast it's been. We've talked about Nate Thompson creeping people out. We've talked about Kodak Black fucking at the Panthers game. We <laughs> talked about sexting, Pittsburgh toilets, aka Sydney's office chair, and we talked about pickle dicks. So we've really gone all over the map today, and we'd like to thank you so much for listening. If you have any feedback, the best place is on twitter.com.org.edu.ca. You can reach Eamon at Jin and UC, like the goaltender for the Nashville Predators, UC Soros. Eamon, what are you working on right now you want to plug for the people? Oh, so actually, a little bit of an announcement, and it's, it's oh, wow. bittersweet. Uh, I will try not to cry uncontrollably during this, but um, I have taken a position working for uh, an NHL team. I'm not going to specify who right now because I don't know that legally I'm allowed to do that just yet. I'm still working through some paperwork and stuff with them, but i uh, going to be working for an NHL team this semester, not doing anything crazy, not like working as, you know, the assistant to the GM or something bonkers like that. It's going to be not George Costanza. Over no, here, I'm like not. Here. I'm not. I'm not the traveling secretary. Wow. Eamon Smith is going to be the assistant to the GM for the Atlanta Thrashers. Holy shit. Back the Thrashers, by the way, move the Coyotes to Atlanta. Do it. Cowards. Uh, but <laughs> No, so yeah, really, really excited to be doing that. But unfortunately, the way that that works is I will not be writing for Broad Street Hockey or on the forecheck for the time being for this upcoming semester's worth of college. I believe my tenure with the team will end sometime in July. I don't know whether or not that's going to be the beginning of July or after the NHL draft is over, but We'll be working for them over that span. So I'm not allowed to write for any publications during that period, uh, which sucks. It breaks my heart because I love writing for Broad Street Hockey and I love the community that we have here. Um, and I'm going to miss being able to come on Fly Purpley and talk. And this this is something where, again, I've wanted to be on this show and Broad Street Hockey Radio and write for this website since I was in eighth grade. So uh, it's been... A wonderful couple years here uh or by couple years i mean one year pretty much we're coming on one year in february I, say, but I don't think it's been that long. no i i just time it really does feel like i've been here for a few years now um in my perspective because you guys have all been so awesome to work with and everything but uh the one thing i will be doing still is um i will be writing about auburn hockey on a weekly basis 
in these articles that I'm publishing at collegeandmagnolia.com. That's our SB Nation site for Auburn University uh, called the Auburn Hockey Report. Um, and that's that's going to be kind of just a little thing that I keep up doing. I'm allowed to do that because it's not affiliated with an NHL team, so there's no conflict of interest there. But uh, yeah, this is the last time I'm going to be on Flyperbole for a little while and that you'll be hearing my voice, listeners. So thank you guys for being so amazing. I know I've only been here for like 20-something episodes or 30 episodes or whatever, but it's been a dream come true and I've gotten a lot of nice feedback and uh, words on Twitter and uh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to really miss doing this. So, well, we'll miss you too, Eamon. You've been a a great addition to the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you. And you know, one could say that it'll be a while. So we'll talk to you again (laughs) on the show. Jesus Christ. I don't know how I didn't expect you to do that, but that, that, uh, I've been bent over my mic waiting to say that for like two minutes. (laughs) You just, as soon as, as soon as I said, it's the last time I'll be on here for a little. You're like, oh, oh yeah, I'm, I'm waiting. Please. That's literally what this, is, this is how my brain works is like as soon as like this especially happens when I guest on BSH radio is somebody will say something and then I'll get a, a thought of like how to respond. Like I'll get a perfect line. And I'm like, I got to wait. I got to wait. I got to wait. And then the first chance I get, I'm like, I scream and I'm like, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> that's what she said. Like that's, I'm Michael Scott waiting to say that's what she said. Oh my gosh. It is. I liked, I liked working with the guys on PSH radio, but they, they really do have their rhythm. And if you come on as a guest, it can be kind of a little bit of a struggle to get in a word edgewise. Although oh, it's, it's I'm totally rules. fine. Cause you, you know me Bill on the first day or else you're never going to get respect. You know me though. I, I ramble and I, I'm fine talking over people. So, but yeah, I love flyperbole and we'll continue listening to every single episode. Like I have for the past, I think five years now. So uh we'll be doing that and well it's a shame because it's just gonna be me doing karaoke for the foreseeable <laughs> future yeah i mean uh, you'll you'll find other people i'm sure you, you have access to other youths who are much more talented and uh express <laughs> expressive than i am uh they, their voices I've never sounded creepier than that description you have access to other youths <laughs> like, well you can you can bring megan on the pod and she's she's my age and she's got a lot of valuable stuff to say and uh her voice doesn't sound like perpetual vocal fry so that'll be easier on everybody's ears <laughs> than vocal fry yeah that's that's me that's what i sound like well, we so. can't all have the dulcet tones of uh steve Chico right here but you know. this is true this is true yeah well amen best of luck to you man i'm very happy for you to get this opportunity and you know we'll uh we'll talk to you soon before you know it yeah for sure hopefully so, hopefully not in the too distant future i'd like to come back and work at broad street hockey as soon as possible so it's a wonderful place like what can i say folks thank you so much for listening amen is gin and Yusi. you can reach me at flyperbole or at estebomb but if it's for hockey make it flyperbole follow flyperbole on instagram Follow Broad Street Hockey on all that social media shit. There's a bunch of it. BSH Radio. All that great stuff. Listen to other great podcasts. I gotta go. Thanks so much for listening. We love you all. Until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. I'm, I'm leaving the wows to you for this one, bud. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna let you do the honors. Wow, 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 wow. Wow! 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 Wow!
Wow, 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 wow,